tonight. We're studying week two of the series called Our Father, and tonight's teaching is called Hallowed Name, and uh, we're drawing the, uh, the titles of these four weeks of this series out of the uh, prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, found in Matthew chapter 6, uh, 9 through 10, which many of you recognize as what we call the Lord's Prayer. We're not going to teach the Lord's Prayer itself, but we are taking the, the beginning portion of the introduction to the way that Jesus taught us to pray and to uh, take a look over these, uh, these weeks at our Heavenly Father and who He is and who we are in relationship to Him and who we are in relationship to each other because of who He is. Let's take a moment. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You. We call You Father, our Father. And we recognize that together we are Your family. Together we are Your children. Together we are called by Your name. And to, tonight, Lord, we, we just want to worship You we want to honor you. We honor what you've declared about yourself, what you've revealed about yourself. And Lord, tonight, as we come into this, this understanding of your name and what that means to us, Lord, may it transform every one of our hearts and minds in a fresh way tonight. May we step into a whole nother level of intimacy with you and with each other based on the power of your presence, of your spirit, your eternal word. And our Lord Jesus, in his name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's, uh, let's uh, say this together. Matthew 6, 9 through 10. It's on the top of your outline. It says, Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of the reasons why I'm so excited about uh, taking this portion tonight, we're going to look at just that second phrase, hallowed be your name, um, I, I really believe this. I hope that you believe what I'm about to say to you by the time we're done. And if you're not, I want you to be open to it. I really believe that if you can grasp the principle and the power of the name of God and what it means, it will have an effect on everything in your life. It will have an effect on your personal viewpoint of who he is and your own personal viewpoint about who you are. Anybody open for anything that will change you on that kind of level on just one time together? Yeah. I, I, I think if, if you open your heart to it, uh, this, this concept has revolutionized my walk with God. And, uh, and we're just, we're just going to look at just four, four principles. There is no way in one night that we're going to be able to talk about all the depth and all the majesty and all the, the gloriousness of God's name. But let's just look at these four principles, these four Principles, we'll just touch on them really lightly, but again, if you, if you grab it and if you hold on to it and you keep, keep pursuing this for the rest of your life, it will transform you. So let's start with this first fill-in. His name is His nature. His name is His nature. What do I mean by His nature? I mean His characteristics. I mean who He is. How He behaves, the very essence of his power and his majesty and his abilities, the attributes of God, are found in his name. And his name, the name of God, is not just a title. It's certainly not just a way of um, uh, putting a handle so we have something to call him. It is, it is a revelation. 
His name is Revelation. And in the Bible, you will find, if you study, there are multiple names for God. There's not multiple gods. It's one God. But He has multiple names. Why? Is it because He's schizophrenic? He has a bunch of names? He doesn't know what to call Himself? Absolutely not. It's, he has multiple names. It's because he, His nature, his, his abilities, His characteristics, the aspects of God are so vast and so wonderful and so dynamic that every single time God revealed another aspect of Himself, man had to call Him by another name. Okay? And so let's, let's just, let's just, uh, let's just let's look real quickly at just four different examples of when God revealed something about Himself and man responded by either calling God by that name or calling the place where they encountered God after the name. And they actually titled locations on this planet after the name of God because by, by doing that, they set up a, a marker or a milestone. Uh, in, in those days, they called it an, an altar. Some sort of, some sort of uh, remembrance of what God did for them at that place. And what, by calling the place that, it, it uh, reminded them of who God was in their lives. Okay, so let, let's just look at some scriptures. Genesis 16, 13 uh, says this, Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God who sees. The Hebrew there is El Roi. Okay? For she said, I have even remained alive here after seeing him. What story is this? This is a story that you would think would be kind of an unusual one for me to pull out. This is the story of the slave handmaiden of Sarah who Abram had the child by because he was trying to fulfill the promise of God. And there came a time where there was, after she had the baby, after Sarah was not able to have a baby, after years and years and years of marriage, God had promised them a child. She wasn't able to have a child, so they came up with this scheme. Well, you just, you know, why don't you just have a baby by my handmaiden, and we'll call it our child. And, you know, biologically it worked, but relationally it was a disaster because they tried to do in the flesh what God was, was promising for them to do in the spirit, something that was going to come later, but they were trying to... Come on, God, let's bring this along. We're getting old. We get, ever get impatient with God? <laughs> I do it too. And sometimes we know that God has promised us something. We know that God wants to do something. And He just doesn't move fast enough for us. So we try to help Him along and do it our own way. And this is what Abraham and Sarah did. And they had a baby. And uh, it got to the point where uh, Sarah uh, was just really embarrassed. And here, you know, all of a sudden, this lady who had served her as her, as her handmaiden, now, I've got a baby, and you don't. Na, 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 na. And she stopped obeying, and she started being arrogant. She started being proud, and she realized that, you know, I, you know, I'm living with the promise. I'm living with the fulfillment. And Sarah got so upset, so she said, get her out of here. And there's a conflict, and the girl and the baby were sent out into the desert. And she thought she was going to die. She's walking in the desert with this baby. And she comes to a place, and she has an encounter with God. And God shows up and provides miraculously for her and speaks to her and promises her about the promise of what her son would become. And her response to God was, 
you see me. At that moment in her life, she was rejected, cast out, thought she and her child was going to die. She thought she was the most alone and rejected, not only by man, but by God as well. And yet when God showed up, she said, you're the God who sees. You see me. You see my life. You look over my life. And I'm amazed that when I can see you, <laughs> I live. Now, we don't think of, we don't think of her as Hagar as, as you know, the great you know, theologian of, of the Christian Bible. But you know what? What she said there is really, really true. When you see God, you'll live. When you see who Jesus is, when you see the life that he has for you, when you come to know him and you come to recognize that he knows who you are, he's looking out for you, that's when life will really happen for you. And so he was given this name, El Roi, the God who sees. Now, did he have that name before? Was that something that you know, he had written on a business card somewhere? No, but because of her encounter with him, she called him. She called God this. And God said, you want to call me that? You recognize that as my characteristic? Fine, I'll call myself that from now on. And I'll add, that to my, I'll add that to my identification of who I am. El Rorai, the God who sees. Here's another one. Genesis twenty two fourteen. 14. Abram called the name of that place Yahweh Jireh. Maybe you've heard of Jehovah Jireh. Yahweh and Jehovah are, are interchangeable because the, the Hebrew language there are four consonants. There are four consonants and there's no vowels. And the way we get the word Jehovah is really kind of the way that we've anglicized the Hebrew word, and we've, and we've made a, out of the Yah, we've made a Jah. And so that's how we get Jehovah. Uh, that's, that's where we get the word Jesus. It comes from the, the, the Hebrew word, Jehovah is salvation. Okay? In, in the Hebrew, we'd say Yahshua, Yahshua. But we've, in our through the, coming through the Greek and through our English, we call him Jesus with a J. But it really, you know, in the Hebrew, it would have been more of a Yah. And in fact, you'll, you'll find, I'm just going to go aside here, think about, the, think about the books of the Bible. Think about those that God had called to write his word and declare his word. You're going to find after man, after man, after man, God put his name, God's name, in the person's name. Joel, Joel. Micah. Zephaniah. And even Abram, who we talk about here, his name was Abram, means father. But God put his name in it, the Yah in the middle of it, became Abraham. And God added his name to Abram's name when he became the father of faith. Okay? And there was this, after the occasion with Haggai, Haggai, and they had the child Ishmael. Then Sarah had the baby, the promised one, Isaac. But there came a point where God said to Isaac, and God, God said to Abram, I want you to take Isaac and I want you to sacrifice him. And he and Isaac are going up to the, going up to the mountain. And Isaac's looking around. And he says, Dad, you said we're going to do a sacrifice. Yeah, where's the sacrifice? And, and Abram said, God will provide himself a lamb. Now, what the Bible teaches us in the New Testament, that Abram's faith was, all right, this is the promised son. 
And even if I have to kill him because you've commanded me, God's going to raise him back up. He's going to be resurrected. And I'm going to come back down that mountain with him. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to obey God. And so Abram was just fully convinced that God was going to provide himself a lamb. And actually, ultimately, that's what he did. He provided a lamb for the sacrifice. But the real lamb that God really provided, the ultimate sacrifice, was himself. So we see this word Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. It really comes from the concept, God will provide, but not just provide stuff. God will provide himself. God provided himself as a sacrifice for our sins. He, he gave his own life that we may have life. Isn't that beautiful? And so we, and, but this is another name, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And, and the celebration was, when they go to that mountain, they'll always see God there. They'll always recognize that God always provides. And that mountain where, the, where he was going to sacrifice Isaac was the very place where they end up building the temple. Exact same spot. Isn't that amazing? In Jerusalem. The exact same place where right across the ravine they took Jesus and they crucified him. That's where God provided himself a lamb. God is your provider. It's his name. It's not just another title. It's who he is. And you can call out when you are in need and you're in want, when you're needing of forgiveness and when you're needing a provision and you're needing God to show up, you can say, Jehovah Jireh, I need you to provide yourself for me because I need you. Is that good? Is that good? Yes. You're not sure? All right. We'll keep working on it. Maybe you'll believe in me after a few minutes here. Exodus 17, 15 says, Moses built an altar and called the name of it the Lord our banner, which was the, the in the Hebrew was Jehovah Nisi. This is the story when the Israelites were walking in the desert and they had run out of water and they thought they were going to die and they wanted to kill Moses. They wanted to stone him and he goes, cries out, God, what do I do? He says, go to the rock and strike the rock and I'll provide a miracle. And he struck the rock and God gushed out water. Here was this miraculous provision of water to, for the salvation and actually quenching the thirst so that they may live. And then there came this local tribe of people who lived in the area of where they, the land that they were traveling through called the Amalekites. And the Amalekites came and saw these slaves and they had this miraculous supernatural source of water in the middle of the desert and they were just going to wipe out the Israelites and take the water. And there became this battle. And Joshua was fighting against the Amalekites. And so Moses went up onto a mountain with Aaron and Hur and he lays, raised his hands in praise with the rod of God in his hand. And as long as he kept his hands lifted up, Joshua was winning. And as soon as he got tired and his hands started coming down, then the Malachites started winning. So Aaron and Hur came and they sat him down on a rock and they helped him up and they helped hold his arms up. And he held his arms up all day long and eventually Joshua won the battle. And at the end of that day, God called that place, God is our banner. God is our victory. God is the one raised up in declaration that he fights for us, he protects us, he wins our battles for us. Have you fighting any battles today? Can any, any Malachites come in and ripe you out and take your provision away from you? Listen, raise your hands and worship God because he's your banner. He's your provision. He's your source. He's your supply. He will win every battle in his name. Amen? 1 Samuel 3.21 The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there 
he say it with me, these bolded words, revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So, so again, this is the point. His name isn't just a title. It's how he reveals himself. And God will continue to reveal himself. He'll reveal himself to you. Whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you're facing, God is your source. God is your supply. God is your answer. And call on his name. Not just, hey, God, but God, my God. The God who meets my needs right where I'm at, right when I need him, exactly how I need him every single time. Amen? Okay, here's next one. Fill in. His name is his identity. It's his identity. And right next to that, I want you to write, and ours. And ours. And this is where I want to kind of dig into a, a whole other level of your understanding. God isn't just God all by himself. Because he's called you by his name too. And our identity, we've been created in his image. We've been called into his family. Isn't that what we talked about last week? He's our father. We are the sons of God. We are the children of God. We're adopted by God. And when he calls us into his family, he calls us into his name. And all of the aspects of who he is and all the things that he's doing and all, all, all of the glory of God and revealed through Jesus Christ, he is given to us when we receive the name of Christ. We call ourselves Christians because we've taken the name of Christ. Not just because we identify ourselves within a religion, but we've actually been called by his name, called into his name, into his nature, into who he is. Look what it says here in Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Not just so that you'll know about God and know how great He is and know about His love, but that by coming to know Him, Christ would live inside of you and that you would be filled up with who He is. His name is His nature. It's who He is. It's, it's, a, it's His identity. But it's your ID too. You are Christ. You're in Christ. You're of Christ. It's all for Christ. It's all by Christ. It's all unto, unto His name. And it's your name too. Now you may not have Christ written on your driver's license, but you should have Christ written on your heart. Written on your heart. Because every name, every family, ultimately derives its identity from the Father, our Father, who created all of us. He's our Father. And we should identify with Him. We should say, He's my Father, and I take after His name. I take after His nature, His character, and He is my identity. He's who I am. Who He is, that's what made me up. I'm made up of God's stuff because He made me out of Himself, and that's who I identify myself with. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Let's turn over to the back part. Let's keep going. 
His name is blessed. It's blessed. It's rich. It's full. It's abundant. And blessing isn't just material wealth. True blessing, true blessing is having God. When you have God, you're blessed. Because what's better to have? A $5 bill or the ability to, to produce money? What would you rather have? I mean, what, I mean, doesn't it make a whole lot more sense to be able to have the source of that which produces income and wealth or just have a, you know, have a five spot? I got a five spot. Woohoo! Well, I actually run the entire mint of the entire money and printing. See, God is the source of all wealth. He is the source of blessing. And you can ask for God to give you something or you can ask for God to give you himself. I'd rather have the supplier and the source than the supply itself. Does that make sense? And we should, we, should, we should be receiving, when we receive his name, when we receive his nature, when we receive his identity, we receive the very source of everything that, everything that we could ever need for life and eternity. Look what it says here. This is a very interesting encounter. Genesis 20, 32, verse 29. Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. This was the story when Jacob wrestled all night with God. And at the morning came, they were, they were, God wasn't letting go of him, and he wasn't letting go of God. And finally Jacob says, well, what's your name? And God's response says, why are you asking my name? And when he asked his name, when he wanted to not let go of him until he had received his name, that's when God blessed him. That's when Jacob, the heel grabber, the deceiver, became the prince of God. And his name was changed to Israel. And we all identify with being the spiritual Israel. We all take that name. It was the children of God. It was because Jacob wanted to know the name. He held on to him until he had the name. It was a blessing to him. The name itself was a blessing. Look what it says here in Daniel 20, verses 20. This is a, a declaration of worship. It says, Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. For wisdom and power belong to him. Obviously, to bless his name, to honor his name. In fact, there was, there's so many scriptures that, that revolve around this idea. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Let the name of the Lord be praised. Let the, sing his name forever. We're, we're not just trying to, you know, you don't, you're not trying to bless, you know, just his title. You're blessing who he is. You're honoring who he is. You're, you're, Elevating yourself to recognize how great and glorious. And this is what Daniel was saying. His name is blessed forever and ever because he has wisdom and power. His name, who he is, his nature, this identity that we have taken is, is to be honored, is to be exalted, is to be praised, is to be blessed, and is a blessing to us. Nehemiah 95 says this, Arise, 
Bless the Lord your God forever and ever. May your glorious name be blessed and exalted above all blessing and praise. He's saying, if there is anything that is a blessing, is a provision, is something that's great, that, that's worthy of being honored, his name is even above that. There is nothing, even nothing greater than the name of God, the person of who he is, the identity of who he is. Which leads us to this last one. His name is exalted. His name is exalted. Philippians 2 says, For this reason also, God highly exalted him. Who did he highly exalt? He exalted Jesus. Jesus humbled himself to the point of obedience to the cross. And because Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself in obedience to the name and to the purposes of God, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. At one time or another, every knee is going to bow to the identity, the blessing, the exaltation, the power, the person of Jesus Christ. Now, you can bow now, or you can bow later, but it's better to bow now. It's better to bow now. Because bowing later is not going to be a pleasant experience. You hold out, it's not going to be a glorious thing. But you bow now. You bow now and you take his name. You bow your heart to the name of Jesus. Then he's going to give you his name. You're not just going to cower before the Lord God Almighty, but you should be part and parcel of who he is. He says, he, the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, who does that leave out? Nobody. Everybody's going to bow, even those in heaven. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord is looking, look what it says, to the glory of God the Father. Our Father is glorified when we confess Jesus as Lord. The Father is glorified when we bow to Jesus. The Father is glorified when we take the name of Jesus because Jesus glorifies the Father. He's our Father. And our worship of Jesus, our surrender to Jesus, our taking of Jesus, our bowing our lives before Him and recognizing that He is our Lord and Master, the Father is, is so pleased with that. He says, that's what, I was, that's what I've been after all along. I'm after the people who I've created in my name to come into the sonship and join in with my, my son, Jesus, that my name would be glorified in all of them. Look at one last scripture here, Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 20 says, Which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. It's not like Jesus is Lord right now and there'll be a time where you know, that's going to run out. He will always be Lord. And His name is always the highest name. His power is always the highest power. His name is always to be praised. His name is always to be blessed. His name will always be our identity. His name is our name. And His name is glorious. And he wants to take you into his family as our father. 
and he wants to change your vision of who you are. He doesn't want you to think of yourself as just that person who's running in the desert, about to die. He wants you to know he sees you. He sees you right where you're at. His eyes are upon you. And he wants to provide for you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to bless you. He wants you to come into complete relationship with his son Jesus so that you may not only reign in him right now, but forever and ever and ever. Isn't that wonderful? Look, let's look at this, um, this box here, the name of God. The name of God is. And what I've listed for you in that box are just some of the names of God that are found throughout Scripture. There's, there's the Hebrew name on the left, and then the, what our English understanding of what that would be on to the right. Do you see that? Adonai means my Lord or my Master. Elohim means my Creator. El Elyon means the Most High God. He's the Sovereign over all things. El Roi, that's the one we talked about. He's the God who sees. El Shaddai, He's God Almighty. Jehovah Ezer, He's the Lord, our Helper. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Rapha, He's the Lord, your Healer. Jehovah Roi is the Lord, my Shepherd. He's the one who looks over my life. He's the one who cares for me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's Jehovah Roi. Jehovah Sabaoth. He's the Lord of hosts. And this is the, the title that, that Zephaniah most uses, the, the title that uh, Isaiah most uses. He's the one who reigns over all the armies of heaven. He reigns over any, every power. He is, the, he is the great Lord of all armies. Jehovah Mekidadeshim, he's the Lord who sanctifies. He's the one who sets you apart. He's the one who, who cleanses your life. He's the one who brings you into holiness. Jehovah Nisi, we talked about one. He's the Lord, our banner. He's the one who is our victory. Jehovah Rapha, he's the one who heals. Jehovah Shalom, he's the Lord, our peace. Jehovah Shama, he's the Lord who is there. And then Jehovah. Yahweh, I am that I am. He is. He always will be. He always has been. And he is right now. So wherever you are tonight, whatever you're facing, whatever you're battling, whatever you're looking into your future and going, man, I, I just don't know where I'm going to. Come into the hands, into the arms, come into the identity, come into the one who is, the I am. And he is your shepherd. He is your healer. He is your provider. He is your victory. He is your strength. He is your creator. He's your Lord. And you can trust Him. You can take His name. Don't take it in vain. Don't take it with emptiness. Don't, don't say, I've taken the name of God, but it doesn't mean anything to me. I, yeah, I call myself a Christian, but I don't know what that means. No, if you're going to take His name, bless His name, honor His name, value His name, this was one of the Ten Commandments. Don't take his name in nothingness. Value it. Honor it. Recognize who you are in him. Because then you step into the family of God. You step into the Our Father. And when you pray, Jesus taught us, pray in his name. When we stand before God, I don't stand in my own name. I stand in the name of Jesus. And that means everything that is... Everything that Jesus has done, everything that Jesus has won for me, everything that Jesus provided for me, I come and I ask in the name of my Lord. 
because he's given me his name. And I can stand before him holy and blameless as a son of God, as a son of our Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you how awesome and majestic you are. And the more that we recognize, the more we receive, the more we perceive, the more we realize how awesome and glorious, how faithful you know all things, you have all power, you always are the same. You are always caring for us. You are always faithful. You are always gracious. You are always loving. There is nothing too difficult for you. There is nothing above you. You are above all, and you are to be blessed and exalted. And Lord, we come, and we do not turn our noses up. We do not turn our face away, but we receive your name. We receive your identity. We come into your family, and we stand, and we declare, and we worship, and we pray in the name that is above every name, not only in this age, but in the age to come the name of the one who gave his life for us, the name of Jesus. It's in your name we live. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.